0: It's wonderful to be with you this morning, uh, to be partnered in gospel ministry here in the Northwest, and it's a privilege to bring you God's Word this morning. So thank you, Jeff, for this opportunity. Uh, I've been looking forward to this, and we're going to be in the book of Proverbs this morning. There is a voice inside of you that whispers all day long, I feel that this is right for me. I know that this is wrong. No teacher, preacher, parent, friend, or wise man can decide what's right for you. Just listen to the voice that speaks inside. That's Shel Silverstein's The Voice. Shel Silverstein's one of my favorite poets. What did you think of his poem? Who doesn't listen to the voice inside? Think about how you've maybe even made decisions today or major life decisions. Don't we all ultimately do what's right for us and listen to that inner voice inside? Think about how you decided who to marry, where to live, what job to take. No one told you to do any of those things. I mean, I'm sure people had their advice and their input. My mom, for one, uh, had told me to marry or at least date Ashley, my wife. I'm so glad she did. But at the end of the day, Ashley and I married because we wanted to. That's what we decided to do. Nobody was forcing us. Isn't listening to the voice inside, inescapable, and doing what's right for you. That's just how we work. Isn't what Shel Silverstein preaches the most natural thing in the world? Well, today I want us to consider the voice that we all have inside and see what God has to say about that voice by looking at a few select proverbs. Uh, today's sermon is a little unusual. So, if you are, if this is your first Sunday at Edgewood, this is not normally how uh, the preaching goes. This is a topical sermon. Uh, normally, the sermons here are expositional, which means the preacher is looking at one kind of contained text of scripture and seeking to make the main point of that text, the main point of the sermon. But it doesn't always make sense to preach the book of Proverbs that way. If you're familiar with the book of Proverbs, it doesn't always work real well. So today, you get a one off topical sermon on the topic of life and death in the book of Proverbs. So as we consider life and death in Proverbs, we're going to consider our voice and God's voice, our word and God's word. Who you listen to will determine what path. You are on the path of life or the path of death. The book of Proverbs is a curriculum for the young and the inexperienced uh, to navigate life's complexities. Uh, the Proverbs describe often in very short, pithy sayings, particularly in chapters 10 through 31, just the way the world generally works. And then Proverbs gives us the key to life, the key to To living wisely in God's world. And the key to living wisely, the key is having God's wisdom as your guiding voice. You know, you might be sitting there this morning and you might think, okay, I see where this is going. The preacher is going to say, you need to listen to God if you want to go to heaven. If you listen to yourself, you're going to go to hell. Isn't that what it all boils down to in the end? But if you look at the Proverbs actually I think you may be surprised to find that Proverbs is mainly concerned with the here and now. It's not as much focused on life after death as what does it mean to live well in God's world today? God's given us today as a good gift. What does it look like to walk faithfully listening to the wisdom of God? So we want to think together about how to walk the path of Christ Jesus Christ, the wisdom of God, as we hear in 1 Corinthians 1, how do we walk the path of Christ's abundant life and know that eternal life in us today? For the Proverbs finds its source in the fountain of life, just as we considered at the beginning of the service in John 7, in Christ's life, the word of wisdom. So, how do you take the path of life as opposed to the path of death? In your decisions, in your speech, in your relationships. We can't see always what path we're on, but we can hear it. The guiding voice on our journey determines what path we're on. So my goal today for all of us is to help you determine what path you're on and suggest what path we should all follow. Remember, throughout the sermon, the voice that we listen to affects what path we're on. So I want to persuade you this morning to take the path less traveled, to quote another well-known poem, because that path will make all the difference in the end. Uh, So let's consider two paths. I just have two simple points this morning. First, the path of death. And here's the first point. Your voice guides you on the path of death. Your voice guides you on the path of death. As I said just a minute ago, death in Proverbs is not the literal end-of-life event. Death is personified. Death, this is very Mother's Day appropriate to think about this, uh, this image, death comes out of the grave and walks around in everyday clothes in the book of Proverbs and calls to you. I, for this sermon, this is, I, was, I was being facetious about Mother's Day. We'll, we'll get to the mothers here in a minute, but de- think of death as a zombie, Think of death as a zombie, the head zombie, the zombie that wants you to follow him and make everyone else a zombie. To follow the path of death is to be like a zombie. But in the land of Proverbs, zombies look normal. They they look perfectly healthy on the outside, but they're rotting on the inside. Let's think together how the living dead came to be. So how did, the, how did the zombies first show up? Look at Proverbs sixteen eighteen with me. Pride comes before destruction and an arrogant spirit before a fall. The virus that has infected 100% of the living since our first parents, Adam and Eve, ate the fruit is pride. Pride always leads to death. And today, we often celebrate the proud. We look up to the proud, at least certainly the confident. We celebrate the confident person, the the confident athlete, communicator, leader, and even pastor. We are told from an early age, at least I was, to believe in myself, that I can do anything that I set my mind to, shoot for the stars. We're told that we, we have the answers inside of us. Self-actualization, self-improvement, self-talk, self-help, self-focus, self-discipline, self-acceptance, self-forgiveness, self-kindness, self-love, self-empowerment, self-esteem, self-realization, self-assertiveness, self-enhancement. I could keep going. This is what life is all about, right? The cocaine of self is like in the city's waters and we're drinking it and we love it. It's in our bloodstream. It's how we make sense of our lives. It's what gives us energy. We love the sovereign self. It's how we make sense of our life. We praise self. We respect ourselves. This made me think of uh, something you may have seen in the news uh, in 2015 just eight years ago, Elizabeth Holmes was an up-and-coming tech genius who graced the cover of Fortune, Forbes, New York Times Magazine, along with many other publications. Her net worth at its height was an estimated $9 billion. She was hailed as the next Steve Jobs. She hired and fired ruthlessly. No mercy. She didn't listen to the experts in the field that she was in, science and blood work. But And she said, Elizabeth Holmes said she had developed a new technology that tests blood for common diseases with just a single finger prick, just a single drop of blood. That's what she said her technology did. There's just one small problem. It didn't work. Her technology never worked. But that didn't deter her. Her influence and popularity was skyrocketing. She traded on her self-confidence, her charisma, her leadership gifts, her discipline, and she convinced some of the most influential and successful Americans to invest in her company. CEOs, former cabinet members, a four-star general, and other leaders all invested heavily in her company. Just recently... Elizabeth Holmes was sentenced to 11 years in prison for fraud and conspiracy. Once on top of the world, now humiliated at the very bottom of the barrel. It's a dramatic story of a rise and fall. But friends, Elizabeth Holmes isn't all that different from us. Sure, our, our story, our pride might not be so dramatic, but we, just like Elizabeth Holmes, can convince ourselves that what we want is right. What we want is right. We listen to that inner voice. We're not going to let anyone or anything deter us. Everything in our culture is screaming at us, What we do, as long as we listen to that inner voice, is okay, as long as we don't seriously hurt anyone else. But we need to ask the question, what if our inner voice is tricking us? What if it's not a trustworthy voice and source of authority? What if what actually seems right to us is actually wrong? Proverbs tells us repeatedly that there is a way that seems right to a person, but its end is the way to death. You see that in Proverbs 14, 12, and 1625. All over the book of Proverbs we see that foolishness is being wise in our own eyes. You know, this is very countercultural today. I wonder if you're feeling that tension. Rather than you do you, live and let live, if it feels right, do it. The Proverbs is saying, hmm, saying the opposite. You know, pride. in our pride, we assume that there is no gap between our truth and true truth. Or, or at least there's very little margin there. And uh, this is especially true when it comes to ethics and morality. You know, and we see this illustrated all the time in, in other areas of life where we can be so confident that we know how to get there. We know where to turn uh, when it comes to directions, or we have some memory. And we're like, no, this is what happened. But haven't we all been in this position where we've been proved wrong? Oh, I, I guess I didn't. I guess I didn't know how to get there. I guess I didn't remember it quite right. You know, if we can be wrong in, these, in our memory, and the small matters of life, what makes us think that we couldn't be wrong when it comes to more significant matters? In the book of Proverbs, we see a picture of a young man on the path of death, following what is wise in his own eyes. He ignores his father's teaching. He didn't listen to those who are wiser and far more experienced than him. So, ultimately, he rejected the Lord's discipline. So, listen now to how this young man's father characterizes his son who refused to accept his discipline and teaching in Proverbs five twenty to 23 Why, my son, would you lose yourself with a forbidden woman or embrace a wayward woman? For a man's ways are before the Lord's eyes, and he considers all his paths. A wicked man's iniquities will trap him. He will become tangled in the ropes of his own sin. He will die because there is no discipline and be lost because of his great stupidity. The man who went after the forbidden woman has become a zombie. He's he's trapped, he's entangled, he's lost and dead. In his sin, you know one of the the first dramatic experience i I had with a zombie or with the death among the living was the, at the church that I grew up at in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Um, the music minister and one of the other leaders in the church were caught in a seven year affair that extramarital affair destroyed two families two marriages split the church in half many people left my father who was serving as an elder at that church at the time said up to that point there was nothing more painful more difficult that he dealt with in his whole life to see the way the the death the sorrow the destruction that that affair had on the church and on those relationships. And that's, I mean, that, that's true when we think of, you know, this is the way death works, this is the way zombies' death infects others. And, and when we think about it rationally, when we think about, I'm sure many of us have either been in churches or have sin like this has, has touched us all. We've, we have been the victims Of the destruction of sin and death. And sometimes when we're thinking rationally or even about our own sin, we think, how could I be so stupid? I think about that music minister and that church leader. They knew better. How could they be so stupid? But we know from our own personal experience with sin that it doesn't happen all at once. That music minister, that church leader, did not wake up one morning intent on blowing up their lives, their marriages, the church. Uh, Instead, we make small compromises along the way, don't we? We don't want to be legalistic, so we allow for certain behaviors, lingering moments that aren't bad in of themselves, maybe. Everybody struggles with this. It's no big deal. C.S. Lewis writes in Screwtape Letters, Indeed, the safest road to hell is the gradual one, the gentle slope, soft underfoot, without sudden turnings, without milestones, without signposts. The music minister at my church was unwilling to heed the warning signs, or he didn't see them, because he was thinking about himself. He was thinking about his own cravings, his own desires, his own hunger for intimacy. We know those feelings, feelings of loneliness, disappointment, frustration. We all, we all get lonely. We all desire intimacy. We all seek pleasure. But that music minister... And so often we give in then to death in order to get what we want. We make a deal with the devil, if you will, because we want things on our own terms. So in our pride we reject good counsel, wise instruction, and we wander off and we find ourselves on the path of death. So friends, I know here you are in church, but are you morally stupid? I'm not suggesting that you're intellectually stupid, but a moral zombie has a proud, heart that rejects discipline. And that can be you, that can be me, left to ourselves. I'm sure in a room this size that there are moral zombies here that who know their Bibles, who have good theology, but as the scripture says, demons have good theology. At least they, they know, they know the answers. You know, one of the scariest truths in the book of Scripture scripture, is that many who are on the path of death are convinced, they have convinced themselves that they are on the path of life. That's what pride does to us. It blinds us. We thought about all the the selves earlier, but one thing is true. We are all prone to self-deception. as we sang earlier at the beginning of the service we are prone to wander how would you even know though We we all struggle with pride we all struggle with selfishness how would you know if you're a moral zombie well a moral zombie doesn't like the light he doesn't like to walk in the light with others a moral zombie keeps her sin secret it doesn't and it doesn't have to be like extreme, like the examples that I shared. It doesn't have to be like conning people out of millions of dollars or having an adulterous affair. It's so often the respectable sense. Isn't this how we find ourselves on the path of life? Just a little porn here, a little anger there, a little slander, a little fantas- fantasy about a different life, getting a little drunk, a little obsession, You know, just checking my 401k and my bank accounts just a few times a day. You know, we can look fine on the outside. We can come to church on Sunday and look like that we have it all together. Be perfectly nice Christian people, but we can be rotting on the inside because we're not walking in the light. You know, those who have drunk the cocaine water of self are self-deceived, and our self-deception can cause us to be apathetic that the path we are on has separated us from the author of life. But there's good news. There's good news for those who suspect they might be on the path of death this morning. There's another path. And this brings us to our second point, the second path, the path less traveled. The first path was broad and wide and leads to destruction, looks so appealing, but the second path is narrow and looks overgrown with weeds. Few take this path, but it's the path of life. This brings us to point two, God's voice guides you on the path of life. So, what what did we just consider? We considered that death in Proverbs crawls out of the grave and proudly struts around. You could say that the path of death is paved with pride and self-deception. But what, do pe- what about the path of life? What do people on the path of life look like? Well, they're, they're not much to look at. They, they don't draw attention to themselves. They're not loud and proud. Proverbs 22.4 says, humility, the fear of the Lord, results in wealth, honor, and life you know I, this is not saying that the humble the people who fear the lord are going to be rich and famous uh no the 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 humble have simply discovered the source of life the path of honor the one who holds all eternal wealth and who owns all things and he is the one who is life himself you know as i thought this weekend, about humility and what it looks like to fear the Lord. What does it look like to humbly serve others with little thought to yourself? I couldn't help but think of moms. Moms often do the work that men would prefer not to do or even sometimes refuse to do, right? You know, when so so often and this can be true in my own family, when, when I'm relaxing, Ashley is rolling up her sleeves and getting her hands dirty, doing the things that receive little thanks or recognition. Uh, this was true in my home, at least with my mom, tirelessly serving uh, a home with, with four kids. And as I reflected back on my, my teenage years, uh, teenagers and kids listen up, I know from my personal experience that there is perhaps, at times, no one more entitled and selfish than a teenager with his or her mom. I'm just speaking from my own personal experience here. So uh, I thought my mom existed to serve me. Like that's, what she, that's why she's here, to meet my needs. And, when that, and then when she corrected me or gave me advice or crossed my will, I didn't always respond so well. I was not always very kind to her. Here she had spent her life uh, giving, you know, raising me, caring for me, feeding me, and then so often she would take hits from the, the very people who she was spending her life to serve. So as we think about what it looks like to, to humbly walk the path of life, let's not forget about our moms. Certainly today's Mother's Day, but moms are like the opposite of zombies, right? <laughs> They're the anti-zombies. They, and I would encourage you kids here today, as Jeff encouraged you, yeah, wash the dishes, teenagers, uh, but serve and honor your moms today and realize that you're only seeing the tip of the iceberg, if that, of how much they love you and serve you. But it isn't just moms who are an example of humility and serve as a living picture of life and uh, walking the path of life in humble service. We see throughout the Proverbs, it's those who are willing to receive instruction, who are willing to receive correction, those who put themselves in the way of God's teaching. Uh, People who walk the path of life value God's rebuke even in their life. They see God's will crossing their will as a good thing, as the way of life and the key to life. Let, let's see this in the Proverbs, Proverbs ten seventeen, The one who follows instruction is on the path to life, but the one who rejects correction goes astray. This is a forewarning. I'm hearing the Bible's turning. Um, I'm about to give you rapid-fire Proverbs, so you might, you know, get. we're going to be going back and forth, so that's why we put them on the slides uh, Proverbs 6.23, for a command is a lamp, teaching is a light, and corrective discipline is the way to life. You know, seeing this teaching, this corrective discipline suggests that we need help. We need correction. I wonder if you think of yourself like that today, as someone who needs correction, who needs teaching, even even now. Uh, it feels so so much more natural to feel like, oh, I'm doing pretty well. I've got things figured out, and I listen to the voice inside. But it's only the proverbs show us that only those who follow instruction, who accept corrective discipline, who see that the teaching that comes from outside oneself as the light on the dark path, the way of life. I want you to see a progression in the proverbs of of this very thing. So. Listen now to the progression of what it means to hear and follow instructions in Proverbs 13, 14 and 15. So Proverbs 13:14, first step. a wise person instruction, a wise person's instruction is a fountain of life turning people away from the snares of death. So we hear step one and we're like, okay yeah, I'm good with that, right? We, we're a fountain of life comes from a wise person instruction. you know we think about that that teacher, uh, that parent or whatever, whatever, wise, you know, whatever sage uh, you, you turn to for advice. Maybe it's uh, Oprah or Jordan Peterson or Tucker Carlson or Ben Shapiro or Dr. Phil or Cal Newport or Barry Weiss or John MacArthur or Jeff Coulter or Chris Short you know, we think, oh yeah, in certain circumstances I'm I'm happy to receive that wise person's instruction. You know, God's given them wisdom or particular training and skill. I'll listen to that person. But then second, notice Proverbs 14, 27. So step two. Notice how they're, it's similar. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life turning people away from the snares of death. Okay, so, so maybe some of those names that we mentioned earlier drop off at this point. Maybe a few of them are not what, what Proverbs is thinking about, and I'm not talking about your pastors. Uh, what characterizes a wise person's instruction is what is undergirded and motivated by the fear of the Lord. Do you see how similar those two Proverbs are? And then step three, Proverbs fifteen thirty three: the fear of the Lord is what wisdom teaches, and humility comes before honor. It's the fear of the Lord that's taught by the wise person. And to accept the fear of the Lord is impossible. (laughs) It's going to take a supernaturally worked humility. Here we see that wisdom begins. This is the motto of Proverbs. Proverbs 1-7 summarizes what Proverbs is all about. The fear of the Lord, having reverence for the Lord, humbly falling before him, worshiping him accepting his instruction turning away from evil that's what it means to fear the lord the fear of the lord is the beginning of knowledge fools despise wisdom and discipline you know often as we see in these three proverbs at least in one and three we see that the lord's instruction often comes to us in the words and the counsel of a loving friend who loves the Lord, who's walking in fear of Him, an elder in the church, a pastor, a parent, a teacher, a small group leader. So friends at Edgewood, brothers and sisters in Christ, are you opening yourself up to receive the wise teaching of the Lord from one another? How are you putting yourself in the way of the Lord's instruction so that you're not blinded by your own inner voice? Are you humble enough to receive the Lord's discipline and walk the path of life together as a church? Several years ago, our church in Portland voted to discipline a young man by the name of Drew. Drew was very close to the shorts. Uh, Drew had fallen into unrepentant sin. He didn't recognize the danger that he was in, so we as a church wanted to warn Drew in love uh, to no longer call himself a Christian by taking the Lord's Supper. And so we removed him, we excommunicated him from our membership a number of years ago. You know, Drew was someone who was very involved in our church. He helped with the music ministry. Uh, And then just a year ago, Drew stood before our church and he thanked us for disciplining him, for caring for him enough to speak the truth and love to him. He expressed how the Lord had used that discipline in his life to bring him back into fellowship with the Lord and with another gospel-preaching church that we partner with. You know, of course, our church gladly forgave Drew and restored him as a, as a brother in Christ. We, we rejoiced in how we saw real life at work in Drew. That's spiritual life. What do you think was going on in Drew's heart that would cause him to stand up before a church? I mean, talk about being intimidated and to thank us for disciplining him. Wouldn't it have been so much easier for Drew to go down the path where he gets angry at the church, blames the church. I'm sure we did not love him perfectly. I'm sure that we didn't always nail speaking the truth and love to him with, with gentleness and speak, you know, we, we never get it 100% correct. And Drew could have focused on that. He could have focused on all the people maybe who didn't reach out to him. But instead of focusing on on how others had failed him, instead of blaming the church or being done with the church, instead of calling us all a bunch of judgmental, self-righteous Christians because none of us were without sin, instead he thanked us. And it was clear it was from the heart. What caused him to go this other way? I wonder if you would have been able to respond like Drew did. You know, people like Drew walk the path, the narrow path of life, because they're drinking from the fountain of life that is Christ. That fountain of life gives us a new heart and gives us a new inner voice. Listen to Proverbs 4, 20 through 23. My son... Pay attention to my words. Listen closely to my sayings. Don't lose sight of them. Keep them within your heart. For they are life. They are life to those who find them. And health to one's whole body. Guard your heart above all else. For it is the source of life. Friends, God doesn't just promise to guide us from the outside. He doesn't just give us an ancient book and say, follow these rules. No, God has come to dwell with us. He has come to take up residence in your heart. Your heart that the the Proverbs and Jeremiah says is desperately wicked above all else that is obsessed with self can be replaced with a new heart that loves the Lord, that internalizes God's word. When God's word is in your heart, then your heart becomes a source of life. Do you understand what this means? Those aren't the ingredients for a new heart that you're hearing. <laughs> the, the, what, the ingredients of what we see is in, is in John 7 about what we read earlier. Um, when, when God is your delight... When your heart is delighting in him above all, your inner voice becomes trustworthy. God will direct you by his word through his spirit when you are drinking deeply of him, the fountain of life. Jesus said in John 7, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. Jesus was talking about the gift of the spirit. Instead of your heart being filled with pride, insecurity, and obsession with self, your heart can flow with the very life of God himself. This was according to what God had planned all along. He said in Jeremiah thirty-one thirty-three, I will put my teaching within them and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they will be my people. So who walks the path of life? God's people walk the path of life. God's children have an inner voice that is ruled by God's word, and his word is written on their hearts. Would you like to have that kind of heart today? A heart that is brimming with life, the very life of God, not the answers in the life that is found within yourself, but a life that comes from God. Well, friends, we've considered two paths today. What path are you on? I preach this sermon to help you discern what path you're on. If your inner voice is most concerned with yourself, defending yourself to others and to God, rationalizing your sin, minimizing your sin, If your life is characterized by pride, then, friend, no matter if you call yourself a Christian or not, you're on the path of death. If that's what characterizes your life. If you're someone who this raises questions for you, and you're not sure what path you're on, I would encourage you to talk to someone before you leave today. Life and death are at stake. Don't leave here today without talking to someone about what it would look like for you to leave the path of death or how you can know that you are on the path of life or death. Friends, the good news of the gospel is too good to simply take it and leave it. Oh, that was an interesting sermon, or that was nice, and then to go on on our day. No, we're talking about the good news of the gospel, of what Christ has done to save sinners, You know, the reason this church exists, the reason why our church in Portland exists is to be an outpost, to be a light, to help sinners, those who are born moral zombies, those who are born walking the path of death, leave the path of death and walk together on the path of life. So if you're not a Christian, we pray that even today you'll turn from your sin, that you'll trust in Christ, Jesus, who walked the path of life, but was put to death so that we might have life, so that you might walk with Christ. So no matter where you find yourself today, whatever suffering and trials, disappointment, frustrations that you're going through, this is the eternal life that you can know today through Christ. Selfish, self-deceived, proud people like us are all offered to come and drink Drink deeply of Jesus, the word who became flesh, who died and rose again so that we might know his life. As the old hymn says, there is a fountain. This is a fountain that brings life, and it's filled with blood that is drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunge beneath that flood. Lose all their guilty stains. So come to Christ today and lose all your guilty stains. Drink deeply of Jesus, who lived a perfect life so that you might live in and through him, knowing that he is your peace, your justification, and your life. Jesus is calling you to follow him today. Are you listening? Will you make him your guide on the path of life? Please pray with me. Heavenly Father, we confess that we need you doing things our own way. Lord, we know lead to death. Lord, we see the consequences of of sin, of rebellion against you all around us in our world, in our families. We see our selfishness and our pride. And Lord, we, we confess that it bothers us. But Lord, I pray for my brothers and sisters at Edgewood that they would not despair because of the pride that they see in their hearts, the selfishness that they see, but instead that they would see sin as an opportunity for the joy of repentance, for confessing that, yes, we need you, we fear you, and we come before you humbly, and we ask that you would have mercy, that you would forgive, that you would cleanse us. Lord, we need your mercy each and every day. Lord, we confess that it is, it is not a, a one-time decision, but Lord, we need your sustaining grace and mercy today just as much as we needed it yesterday and just as much as we will need it tomorrow if you tarry. Uh, but Lord, we pray that you would help us walk the path of life by faith. Oh Lord, help us to look to Jesus who is our life. We, we praise you for his death and resurrection. Uh, by which we can know true life. Uh, so Lord, bless Edgewood Bible Church, we pray. Oh Lord, help them to grow as a community in transparency, confession, and rejoicing not in their own righteousness, but in the righteousness that is found in our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray all these things in Jesus' great name. Amen.